Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It's June 1. Will there be a summit on June 12? Who the hell knows? We still don't know. Every day gets us closer, and every day remains a big mystery. Hey, what do you say, everybody? On a Friday, how about it? Here we go. Almost into the weekend. Not quite. We got a couple of hours to go before we get there because you can't get there without knowing all the news of the day, what's going on all across this great land of ours, what's going on here in Washington, D.C., what's going on around the globe. Here's where you find out your progressive take on the news of the day. It's called The Bill Press Show, and we are very grateful that you are part of it as we reach out to you all around the globe particularly right here coast-to-coast in the United States of America. With the news of the day, a great lineup of guests today, Ella Nielsen from um, Vox, political reporter from Vox, will be joining us. Lindsay Gibbs, sports reporter over at uh, Think Progress, and then a good friend, Kyle Kondik, who knows politics better than anybody else, from the University of Virginia Center for Politics, uh, and working down there with Larry Sabato, of course. We will uh, bring you up to date on the news of the day and look forward to hearing from you what you think about it all. So get ready to respond. Get ready to send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show, on this Friday, June 1, 2018. Welcome to the program. News of the day coming up, but first... This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Bill, let's get an update on the NBA Finals because they kicked off last night. Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors playing in Oakland last night. Looked like Cleveland had a real shot. LeBron James scoring 51 points. Whoa. They had a chance to win it at the game, at the end of the regulation. J.R. Smith had the ball. Hill, Benz, spins, 
Shoots. It's short. Rebound grabbed by J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith dribbles it to the far side, throws the hill. The game is tied at 107. We're going to overtime. Okay, so what happened there was J.R. Smith got the ball and didn't realize that they were tied. He thought that they were winning. So he dribbled out the clock. Oh, no. And then they went to overtime. So they had a shot. They had a chance to get another shot up, but nobody took it. Then the Warriors won in overtime. And then the Warriors went on to win. Yay, Warriors! 144 to 114 in overtime. So they now lead that series one game to nothing. A little update because a couple of months ago, Bill, I told you about how the Boring Company, that is the name of Elon Musk's company, which is not Tesla or SpaceX. He has another company called the Boring Company. They were selling flamethrowers. $500 a piece, you get a flamethrower that shoots flame two feet out away from the gun. Now, part of the problem here is these things can be very dangerous. They are dangerous. Duh. 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 I I don't get this. You know, I... Well, let me just, uh, so yesterday, or, 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 or right after the story came out, in California, L.A. Assemblyman Miguel yeah. Santiago said he was going to put out a bill to ban the sale of these in the state of California. They want to ban the sale of these for the state of California, and yesterday, that bill failed. So, you can... I don't get it. Man. Flamethrower. I, I don't get it about Eli. I love Elon Musk. I admire him so much for, for the space stuff and for the Tesla. I think he's like the smartest guy in the country, and he's doing this dumbass thing about these flamethrowers. Why? Why? Um, By the way, they're having enough problems with the Tesla. Get the Tesla 3 <laughs> in production and, and fill, fulfill the orders, and forget the freaking flamethrower. I will say this. I am not going to buy a flamethrower. Uh, I'm certainly not going to buy a flamethrower for my kids. But a, ha- but a flamethrower is pretty awesome. No, let me tell you something. They're dangerous. Let's, they're dangerous. Look, it's five minutes before... Somebody's house gets torched, or somebody's business, or somebody gets yeah. burned up, and then Elon Musk is going to get sued, and the whole freaking Elon Musk empire is going to go down because of the money he'll have to pay for that flamethrower. I don't think you're wrong. I then don't think you're just wrong. Just a total, total idiot. This is the Bill Press Show. Okay, I want a pardon. I haven't done anything wrong, but I want an anticipatory pardon from Donald Trump that in case I do anything wrong, I don't have to serve any penalty. Hell, he's giving pardons away to everybody. Rod Blagojevich next? Martha Stewart? I mean, God, Danessa Suze is bad enough. What do you say? Hello, everybody. Oh, gosh, I'm telling you. It's hard to keep up with, but we do our best here. All as we do on today, Friday, Friday, June 1. Can you believe it? Here we are with the month of June 2018. Great to see you today. Thanks for joining us. How It is the Bill Press Show. We are live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. You know that, and we also know we're right there with you wherever you are. Across this great land of ours, coast to coast, Joining you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Uh, joining you on Free Speech TV and on the radio statewide in Indiana. Indiana Talks, all the greater Chicago area on WCPT. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the program. And don't forget, you are very much part of the program. 
So let us hear from you and your comments, acidic as they may be. Does it matter? Uh, agree, disagree, w pardon me, whatever. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Great lineup of guests today. Ellen Nielsen, political reporter for Vox, will be joining us. Uh, Lindsey Gibbs, who's sports reporter, uh, taking a look at a lot of sports news around these days uh, from uh, Think Progress and then a good friend, Kyle Kondek, from the University of Virginia's uh, Center for Politics under Larry Sabato. Uh, Kyle Kondek running us through all the major races of this year, including that uh, crazy jungle primary out in California. Uh, okay, uh, here is my um, if you start off today. I just wanted to tell you about my uh, travel plans for uh, next week. I thought I might, um, you know, because the summit, might still happen on June 12. So uh, I booked my ticket yesterday on Singapore Airlines. Have you heard? From Newark. Oh, yeah. From Newark, New Jersey. And now you can fly to Singapore <clears throat> if I wanted to, if you want to. Singapore Airlines has that the first nonstop flight from Newark, New Jersey to Singapore. It will be their starting service. It will be the longest flight, commercial flight ever. And on the books available today, you can go from Newark, New Jersey to Singapore in 18 hours and 45 minutes. Oh, my God. 18 hours and <laughs> 45 minutes. No, thanks. I mean, that's a lot of movies, right? How many movies would that be? I mean, figure it out, right? About eight movies, <laughs> eight or nine. They're two hours long. <clears throat> yeah. No, thanks. Uh, how many meals? How could I just... I just think that would be, uh, you know, I'd hope they'd have like treadmills or something on there where you could to get up and move around. Get up and get move some around, get some blood flowing, get some blood flowing, get some exercise or something. Yeah. Uh, oh man. You know, we talked about um, uh, Jesse Duplantis yesterday, the preacher who wants that <laughs> plane so he can fly yeah. anywhere in the world without having yeah. to stop to refuel. If I'm going to Singapore, I wouldn't mind stopping to refuel. Yeah. You know. Sure. Stop in Hawaii or stop, I don't know, figure it out, right? But Yeah. Nonstop <laughs> flights are usually great, unless they're 18 hours, almost <laughs> yeah. 19 hours. Right. Exactly. Uh, and then if you get stuck on the tarmac, it could be uh, like, that's that's assuming everything goes uh, smoothly. But, man, everything. Well, I got to tell you, everything went smoothly for uh, Dinesh D'Souza yesterday. Donald Trump granting the big pardon. Announced that just after we were, we went off the air yesterday morning, I'm going to give a full pardon today to conservative commentator Dinesh D'Souza. Why? Why? I'll tell you why in a minute. But first of all, how did Dinesh D'Souza, Donald Trump, said he was treated so unfairly, treated so unfairly by the government? No, he broke the law. Wait a minute. He pleaded guilty. He admitted that he broke the law. He had a friend who was running against Kirsten uh, Gillibrand, uh, for senator in New York, and he wanted to help her out, his friend. So uh, he had given the max, I think is 5000 bucks or 10000 whatever the max was, uh, and he wanted to get her some more money. So he told a couple of friends, you can't do this, by the way. You cannot. It is against the law. And I know other people who've gotten fined or maybe spent some jail time for this, too. He told a couple of friends, hey, you write her a check for $10,000, my friend, and I'll pay you back. He laundered money. 
he set up these straw man, they call them, contributions to uh, his friend running against uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, and he got caught. He got caught by Preet Bahara, who was the Southern District of New York U.S. attorney at the time. He pleaded guilty. He didn't serve any prison time. Uh, he had like five years of probation. Uh, he did some teaching English to some um, uh, refugee uh, groups, uh, and he paid a $30,000 fine. But the point is, why the pardon? He broke the law. He did his public service. He admitted that he broke the law, no doubt about it. He was not treated unfairly by the government. But Raj Shah, Deputy Press Secretary yesterday, um, he said, look, this is, this is why he deserved a pardon. doesn't make any sense to me. He has uh, paid his, paid, uh, I, I believe, a $30,000 fine and uh, served community, uh, uh, fulfilled his community service obligations by teaching English to immigrants. Uh, okay. Well, does that qualify him for pardon? I know a lot of people that have done that. Yeah, I know a lot of people that have done that. And by the way, there are this is this is Donald Trump. Well, here's what's going on here now. Let's get to it. Donald Trump is using his pardon power as a political bludgeon, as a political tool. And he's doing it for one thing to basically give the law enforcement community, the Justice Department, flip the bird to them. Basically saying I, I don't care what you think about these people. I'm going to give them a pardon because I'm president of the United States. Because there is a process for deciding who's in prison right now and who might deserve a presidential pardon. There are 10,000 applicants that have been approved by the Justice Department awaiting White House review. 10,000. Donald Trump just ignores that whole system. I'm giving it to my friends. So he has so far Joe Arpaio convicted of ignoring uh, a judge's uh, orders in Arizona, pardoned by Donald Trump. Scooter Libby, convicted of revealing of, of the identity of a, a CIA agent back in the George W. Bush days, convicted, given a part, didn't serve any time, given a pardon by, by uh, Donald Trump. He'd already been, his sentence had been commuted by Bush, but given a pardon by, by Donald Trump. And now, Dinesh D'Souza. And then on top of that, Donald Trump says, I'm thinking about giving a pardon to, to Rod Blagojevich out in Illinois, former governor of Illinois, serving a 14-year prison term, and to Martha Stewart, who served what, a year or so, I think? Something like that. Yeah, for some insider stock trading. But right. She's completely bounced back. She's doing fine. She is com totally better than fine. Her stuff is selling. I see it when I go through Macy's on the way to Metro. Her stuff is selling. She's doing great. She's, she's still out. on TV. She's, she's still you can got debate products. whether or not she should have served that time or not, but she broke the law. And Blagojevich, remember Blagojevich, he was trying to sell Barack Obama's Senate seat. Blagojevich, who said, what I got is, I, I saw it here this morning again. It was so funny. He said, I've got this thing. It, 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 on a phone call, he was recorded saying about that Senate seat, quote, I've got this thing and it's golden. And I'm not just going to give it up for nothing. I'm not going to do it. And I can, I can always use it. I can parachute me there. 
Now, there were a lot of uh, <laughs> F words in there that I could have took out. Thank but you. that was uh, that was Blagojevich. So, so what real Trump is really doing is here. Here's remember this key. So Dinesh D'Souza got was zapped by the U.S. Attorney, Southern District of New York. Hmm, who's under investigation by the U.S. Attorney in the Southern District of New York today? Hmm, Michael Cohen. So what Trump is really saying to this? This is sending a message. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mikey, baby, don't turn on me. Don't sing because you have nothing to worry about. No matter what they do to you, I've got the pardon power. That's exactly. And he's sending that same message to Paul Manafort. Hey, Paul, don't cooperate with Mueller. Don't worry about it. you got nothing to worry about. I got the pardon power. I'm your buddy, and I'll use it. That's what this is all about. You know, it's so it, – my, my, my first thought when I saw this, right, is I remember there were a couple of times during Barack Obama's presidency, there were a couple of pardons that he issued that Republicans tried to freak out over. People were looking for a reason to get angry about them. And before that, I remember the uh, – the, I'm sure you remember the Mark Rich scandal with yeah, Bill Clinton. Yeah, he, yeah. he pardoned Mark Rich and probably shouldn't have. But, like, in comparison – when you look at what Donald Trump is doing and how those things were like, this is so much bigger of a deal because in those instances, right. And you know, this, that you were just saying there, there are, there are people whose job it is to look specifically at these pardons. As you mentioned, there are 10,000 applicants. Yeah. There is a staff in the white house and their job is to look at those and find out which ones are credible, which ones are valid, which one has a real case. And, that was completely thrown out the window. It's been completely thrown out the window. Donald Trump doesn't right. care, and it's just it, it doesn't even factor into his decision. He's given it out to his buddy. I mean, Martha Stewart was on The Apprentice. Yes, and, and she's so, also well. So was Blagojevich. And so was Blagojevich. Two people from The Apprentice. I mean, That's what right. are we doing? Yeah, right. Donald Trump is just taking care of his friend. And the other, final thing is, let's not let's not let them make Dinesh D'Souza some right-wing hero. I mean, he's somebody that the right-wing ought to be embarrassed about. Some of the stuff, he's sort of like Roseanne Barr. If you go back and look at some of the stuff that she had said before she did this racist tweet against Valerie Jarrett, Dinesh D'Souza is just the same. He has been way out there on the birther stuff. He wrote a book called The Roots of Obama's Rage, which claimed that President Obama's whole agenda was to carry out the anti-colonial Kenyan philosophy of his father, that that was what Obama w was all about. Um, he dismissed the whole Charlottesville thing as saying the whole thing in Charlottesville was staged, basically, by the media. It didn't happen. Um, he claimed last October that Hitler was not anti-gay. Right. So all those gays who were killed in the Holocaust. No, that wasn't Hitler's fault because he was not anti-gay. Uh, and he also most recently got a little hot water when he um, talked talked about the students at Parkland, Florida, uh, um, and after that mass murder down there, um, Dinesh D'Souza said, quote, worst news since their parents told them to get summer jobs. Yeah, this is the guy Donald Trump pardons, and this is the guy now the right wingers are saying, "Oh, 
gosh, our hero, he finally took care of our hero. No, he's no hero. He's nobody's hero. Um, uh, yeah, this is also, you may remember, was fired as the president of the Christian King's College because he was caught in a hotel room with a woman who was not his wife. So Family values. Family values. There he is. Yeah. Uh, what? So we can't wait for uh, Blagojevich. And by the way, Blagojevich's wife yesterday now says, yes, just like... Uh, these people are nuts. Just like the government came after my husband for trying to sell a Senate seat, <clears throat> now Robert Mueller, Mueller is going after... Donald Trump. These same people that did this to my family, these same people that, you know, secretly taped us and um, and twisted the facts and perverted the law that ended up my husband in jail, um, you know, these same people are trying to do the same thing that they did to my husband just on a much larger scale. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they were emboldened. They took down a governor, and now they're trying, they've got their sights much higher. Yeah. Hey. Now they took down a governor, now they're going to try to take down a president. Oh, but, shut up. Hey, all we were trying to do was break federal law. And next thing you know, they're uh, tapping our phones and sending us to jail. We're well, just trying to do little things like break the law. All we were trying to do was sell a U.S. Senate yeah, seat. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. You know, How dare they? I get to appoint it, and you don't think I'm going to appoint somebody for nothing. I want to know who <laughs> is the highest bidder. That's what it's all about. And it's called democracy. Yes. Let us okay. live in peace. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, so, so, so crazy. Um, also, uh, yesterday, just uh, right during the show, if you recall, uh, Donald Trump, he was going crazy on Twitter yesterday, saying crazy stuff. He comes out and says, um, <clears throat> By the way, now, all this stuff about why I fired James Comey, oh, I never fired him because of the Russian investigation. It just was had to do with all that Hillary stuff and how he treated Hillary Clinton. Uh, no, no, no. Here was his tweet. Right? His tweet yesterday morning during the show, as you mentioned. Yeah. Not that it matters, but I never fired James Comey because of Russia. The corrupt mainstream media loves to keep pushing that narrative, but they know... It is not true, end, end tweet, end quote. Well, the, the reason we know it is true, as we pointed out yesterday, is because no, no one other than Donald Trump, on at least two occasions, told us he fired Mueller, be, uh, Comey. fired Comey, sorry, because of he wanted to get this Russian thing off his back. Uh, he said so the very next day, in a Oval Office meeting with the Russian ambassador, Sergei Kislyak, and the Russian foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, when he said, I fired this, I fired Comey yesterday. I, I'm paraphrasing here. But he said, I fired Comey. Uh, he's nuts. He's crazy. And I had to get rid of this Russian thing. And now it's over. That was reported by uh, somebody leaked it out of the Oval Office and a reporter from TASS who was there heard this whole conversation. Then, a couple of days— The whole Russia thing is over. That was over a year ago. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Yeah, That really worked, didn't it? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, then he goes a couple of days later on NBC News giving an interview with Lester Holt, and Lester says something about, so you fired Comey because—really? Uh, uh, because uh, he, he wasn't uh, very nice to Hillary Clinton— and Trump says, no, 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 here's why I really fired him. Regardless of recommendation, I was going to fire Comey.
Regardless, he was going to fire Comey. And then he goes on, by the way, to talk about how Comey was such a showboat. He's a showboat. He's a grandstander. The FBI has been in turmoil. You know that. I know that. Everybody knows that. And then one other clip, this is from the, yeah. the Lester Holt thing, where he talks about how he thought he was going to be so popular for, for firing James Comey. I thought that this would be a very popular thing that I did when I terminated Comey, because all of the Democrats couldn't stand him. But because I terminated him, they said, ah, we get some political points, we'll go against Trump. So I assumed it would be fairly popular. <laughs> so he keeps changing his story. Back and forth, back and forth. Uh, yeah, he fired Comey because he that he thought that by firing Comey he could shut down the Russian investigation. What he didn't realize was that Rod Rosenstein would say, "No, the investigation continues. We'll just name somebody else to pick it up, and we'll bring in Robert Mueller, former FBI director, make him special counsel. He's now in charge of the operation." As Steve Bannon said, the dumbest political move in modern political history. Uh, dumbest mistake in modern political history, Donald Trump firing James Comey, thinking by doing so he could end the Russian investigation. And here we are. Um, well, the tariffs came back yesterday big time. Yep. Donald Trump who initially said we're going to have tariffs against steel uh, on steel and aluminum imports, but we're going to make an exception for our allies Canada and Mexico uh, and the European Union. Uh, this is the thing that has really split the administration right down the middle. Remember Gary Cohn, when he said that the first time, Gary Cohn said, uh, this is bad economic policy. It's going to hurt the United States and just start a big trade war. Gary Cohn resigned over this issue. Uh, Larry Kudlow came in as economic advisor, um, also anti-tariff but agreed to take the job because he thought he could talk Donald Trump out of bringing the tariffs back. So after giving Canada and Mexico and the EU uh, a pass on the tariffs, yesterday he reversed himself yet again. You get the impression that <laughs> Donald Trump does this like day to day, right? Uh, minute to minute. He reversed himself yet again and put the, slapped these steel and aluminum tariffs, 25% on steel, 10% on aluminum, Yes, on Mexico, on Canada, and on the EU. And all three of those entities, countries, turned right around and said, okay, tit for tat, we'll slap tariffs on American products coming in our country, including, by the way, bourbon from Mitch McConnell's Kentucky. Uh, Great, more for me. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. We'll see what Mitch McConnell has to say about that. At any rate, but I'll tell you, the one who really spoke out yesterday was Prime Minister Justin Trudeau uh, of Canada, who called this nothing but pure protectionism. The government is, of Canada is confident that shared values, geography, and common interests will ultimately overcome protectionism. Yes, and make no mistake about it, he said, this is, we consider this an affront to Canada. These tariffs are an affront to the long-standing security partnership between Canada and the United States, and in particular, an affront to the thousands of Canadians who have fought and died alongside their American brothers-in-arms. Right. And uh, common sense? Is this, uh, this common sense? No way, says Trudeau. We have to believe that at some point, common sense will prevail. 
but we see no sign of that in this action today by the U.S. administration. Boy, apply that to— By the way, he sounds a little pissed off, doesn't he? He does sound pissed off, but apply that to anything that's happening here in this country. I mean, yeah, we have to believe that at some point common sense is going to prevail, but, God, it sure doesn't look like it. Mm Mm-mm. No. Uh— Bad move. Bad move, I believe, on on Donald Trump. And I do think it's going to backfire and just end up on um, hurting American businesses, particularly farmers and their exports. Uh, But but across the board, uh, I don't think we can win if we get engaged in trade wars, particularly. Again, this is Donald Trump going to war over trade with our strongest allies, Canada, Mexico, and the European Union. So France, Germany, the UK, all of them, boom. We've declared war on them and Canada and Mexico. Where does that get us? Uh, I don't think very far. Uh, We ought to update you on the um, summit. I know you're wondering. This is the... (laughs) So much news. There's so much news, right? This is the 1st of June. The summit is still kind of loosely scheduled, maybe, maybe not, for um, June 12 in Singapore. So Mike Pompeo was asked by Martha Raddatz of ABC yesterday, uh, the Secretary of State, after meeting with his Northern, uh, North Korean counterpart. Okay, what's the latest, Mikey? Will we know tomorrow whether there will actually be a summit? Don't know. We don't know the answer to that. Well, there you awesome. go. Okay. Going great. Right, from the very top, don't know the answer to that. Although, Donald Trump says, everything is rosy. We're doing very well with North Korea. Our Secretary of State has had... Very good meetings. He's meeting again today. I believe they'll be coming down to Washington on Friday. Yeah, supposedly uh, that representative who met with Pompeo is coming down to Washington today, I guess on the Acela Express, uh, and is going to deliver a letter to the White House. And uh, all right. Okay. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. A final word, and there's a lot of flap about this, and uh, some of you may not agree with me on this for sure, but just uh, my word about. Samantha B, you know the story. Uh, she went on uh, her uh, TBS show um, criticizing, by the way, correctly, I believe, criticizing Ivanka Trump for posting out on Twitter a photo of her and her little boy cuddling up together uh, like at the very same day that the Trump administration announced that it's going to break up families at the border and send the kids in one direction, people, families across the border, kids in one direction, and deport the parents. Uh, uh, Cynthia, uh, um, Samantha B. making uh, the point uh, that uh, sort of contradicting the message of the Trump administration, uh, it's great for Ivanka to be there with her son, but how about these other families? Legitimate point. Make it as strong as you can. But for Samantha B. to use the word that she did to describe Ivanka Trump, I think was totally inexcusable, totally unacceptable. I cannot defend it. I would not use that word myself. Um, I no more than I would use the N word. Uh, and I got to tell you, I think it's um, not good that Samantha B does not face any consequences. She apologized. Roseanne Barr apologized. Roseanne Barr lost her show. I'm not saying Samantha B should have lost her show necessarily, but I think she should have at least uh, been suspended or had to pay some fine or something. Uh, but, you know, we progressives, we liberals cannot stoop down to using that same Roseanne Barr kind of language, in my opinion. I don't like it. It's disgusting. 
It's unacceptable. Uh, and Samantha B., shame on you. We're going to move along right now. Again, your comments are always welcome here on Twitter. On Twitter, at the BP Show. Uh, Ellen Nielsen joins us next from Vox on some of the big political news of the day. A quick break on this June 1, and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. You got it on a Friday, Friday, June 1, uh, the Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us. Wherever you are in this great land of ours, thank you for joining us. And don't forget, uh, we want to hear from you with your comments on Twitter at BP Show. Ellen Nielsen uh, from uh, Vox Politics and Political Reporter uh, on her way. A little uh, metro problems that uh, we deal with uh, all the time, being right across the street from the metro. Uh, and we'll talk to Ella when she uh, gets here. Meanwhile, carrying on with the news of the day and your comments as well. Yes, indeed. We are on Twitter at BP Show. At BP Show. On the flamethrower story, Melanie mm. Miller weighing in says, seriously, flamethrowers in California? We haven't had enough wildfires? That's obviously a very good point when you're talking about that. But let me, let me stop. <laughs> Why, what's a flamethrower for? Uh, I did, what are they? What I, are they used for? I don't know. I don't have one. I've never used one. That, but I mean, I, I guess they, the I guess the point is they look cool. No, there's <laughs> got to be more than that. They must have been. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I think that's probably the only reason that people do a lot of stuff these days. But I mean, like maybe in cases where sometimes they do start fires for a good reason, right? Yeah. Um, let me just, Sometimes you get rid of the brush in a forest. They do that, or, yeah. or maybe some crops they will burn off so that then the soil can. I don't know. I don't know. I'm let's just, just say. Let's there just must say have been a legitimate reason. There must have been maybe. Let's just say you're having a bonfire or a cookout with friends. A flamethrower would come in handy. No. How many times no, do no. you need that? No. Though? No. You know. How many other, times would you need? No. That? There are other little ways to start a barbecue. Would you oh yeah. Oh, totally. There are. I'm yeah. not saying that that this is an okay reason. I'm just trying to find an answer to your question. Which to me is sort of like the AR-15. Okay. It was invented as a weapon of war, uh, and um, on the battlefield. And that's why they invented the AR-15. But to take that battlefield weapon and then put it up for sale to anybody in the United States that wants to buy one uh, is the wrong way to go. I think the same thing about the flame. I'm just wondering where the flamethrower at one time, if it ever had a legitimate purpose. All right. I'm sorry that was too much time to spend on that one. <laughs> Comments, but uh, some more comments on Twitter at BP Show. Jim Johnson says, "I'd like to see Dinesh D'Souza go stand anonymously in a crowd at a Trump rally and see how the Trump fans treat him." Good point. Very good point. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, I would, he's no hero. No, not at no, not at all, not at all. Although they probably would just worship him because Donald Trump pardoned him. Well, they, right? they don't, probably don't even know who he is. That's the you know like they yeah, and so and. Uh, we also put up a poll about what should happen to Samantha B after her comments about uh, uh, Ivanka yeah. Trump. Uh -huh. uh, the uh, oh. options are cancel her show, suspend her, an apology sufficed, or nothing. You can vote on that right now at BP Show. Uh, Joe Howard weighing in says the right punches as hard as they can. And Bill, you're suggesting we just take it in the face. The left I'm has done that. We don't stoop me, to let, their let level and use this. the same language. 
right? That's all. No? What What else would you like me to say? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything else to say. What's his name? Joe? Who? The, the tweet? The, 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 uh, Joe. Yeah. yeah, Joe tweeted Joe. Oh, us. okay. Joe. All right. So that's my comment, Joe. And here we are. Hi, Lindsay. How are you? I'm sorry, Ella. Ella, the only look at my sheet here. Oh God, no uh, worries. <clears throat> wheels are coming off here this morning. <laughs> oh, we Ella Nielsen on our way here from Vox, and she's arrived. Uh, good to see you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Donald Trump stirring it up yesterday with a couple of par- with a big pardons. pardon, right? And others maybe on the maybe, way, yeah. right? Uh, why is Donestis a deserve a pardon? Well, I mean, according to the president, he thinks that the government treated him very unfairly, but that's something he says about a lot of people, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, uh, wait, so fact, he broke the law. Fact, yes. he admitted that he broke the law. Right. right? Fact, he paid to find. Right. Uh, campaign finance violations in, uh, I guess the, the original incident occurred in 2012, um, and he was convicted in 2014. Um, and did eight months in uh, a halfway house, I believe, or like a it was like a Something community in, like yeah. probation thing. Yeah, it was eight in months San probation. Diego. Yes, yeah. and then the rest of the time. By um, the way, being um, I was suspended once. I forgot this now from M- by MSNBC, and I was sent to San Francisco for a week. Wow, what a punishment! Exactly, <laughs> the next D'Souza was sent to San Diego. I'll take that. <laughs> I know. It yeah. seems nice. Yeah. <laughs> it is nice. Let me tell you. Someone loves San Diego. Right. Me. Okay. So. So anyways, yeah. So, hardly a hardship case. Exactly. And he's. it seems like he's been hard at work at a new documentary, um, you know, I think at, at home, working at home. So, yes, not then total of five years on probation. And apparently, um, the front page of the New York Times, uh, the Washington Post this morning, is a photo of Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. That this was Ted Cruz's pet project, getting right. Dinesh D'Souza a pardon. Right, and I think Cruz tweeted after and and seemed very happy that D'Souza yeah. had had gotten. So maybe that maybe that's a sign of uh, good relations between Cruz and Trump. All yeah. right, so we're on a roll here now. Joe Arpaio, Scooter Libby, right? Uh, Rod Blagojevich, maybe Martha Stewart. Uh, yeah, I was going to say who's next. <laughs> Martha Stewart? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting She's that, hardly hurting. That's hardly a hardship case either. Right, I mean, and I don't know how Blagojevich is doing. I feel like I I kind of forgot that he existed. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us forgot that he existed. Uh, he, he's been, he got a 14-year sentence, and he was up for probation at one point and didn't get it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I felt that he personally was... Sent away for too long, but that doesn't mean a presidential pardon. I mean, anyhow, they could commute sure. a sentence, yeah, and let him out. Well, it's interesting. It seems like it's like a lot of. Um, I mean, presidential uh, pardons don't usually happen this early in a. By in this a time, uh, President Obama had pardoned no one. Okay, right. Because I thought that they all came sort of later on, like right before you leave. Yeah, uh, I saw that last night uh, on the news. Is the only reason uh, I know that, but. It it also there there I mean we laugh about the fact Joe Arpaio, um, uh, Scooter Libby now Rod Blago I mean now Dinesh D'Souza maybe Martha Stewart Rod Blagojevich, um, but these are not the people that usually presidential pardons go to I mean there's a Department of Justice process where they review people who are in prison a lot of them for nonviolent drug related crimes those are the ones that mainly got pardons. 
or commuted sentences from Barack Obama. And that whole process, I saw something that there were 10,000 people in the, in line. You know, Donald Trump was just ignoring that whole process and just basically going with political celebrities. Right. Well, one of the things that I am curious about is is if he's kind of flexing his his presidential pardoning muscle, you know, in, in case <laughs> anybody yeah. needs to be pardoned, you know, post-Russia investigation. I mean, it does seem like he's sort of you know, showing that I can do this. I'm doing this right off the bat. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if, if uh, you know, as, as the Russia investigation continues. Well, I think that um, that he's he is flexing his political muscle. He's showing the Justice Department, I can do whatever the hell I want because, you know, I'm president. I don't have to follow your, your process. But I also think clearly, we talked about this a little bit earlier, he's sending a message. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza was... Um, uh, his um, conviction came through the U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York, which is where Michael Cohen is, uh, and being investigated. Uh, and I think the message clearly is to Michael Cohen, if I can pardon Dinesh D'Souza, I can pardon you. Right. You don't have to worry about it. Right. And the the interesting thing also, I mean, uh, a little less than now, but uh, Preet Bharara was the the prosecutor in the Dinesh D'Souza case, so... Yes. Also interesting. N- no fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no fan of Donald Trump. But but uh I don't I mean we can talk about it but the president has that power and he can use it really any way he wants. Right. And once he gives a pardon it's done. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. very, when you think about it there are very few things a president can do on his own without under the constitution, right? Without going to Congress or through some commission or committee or something, right? This is one of them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, he seems to be using it quite a bit. So, um, like I said, yeah, seems to be flexing political muscle for right. sure. Uh, and sending the message. Um, yesterday, um, I know you've been taking a look at the political scene, too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, particularly up in New York yeah. with Cynthia Nixon. She was asked yesterday about... Well, how do you feel about the fact that uh, Hillary Clinton has jumped in, not to mention the DNC, uh, and supported Mario Cuomo? Cynthia Nixon basically Andrew saying— Andrew Cuomo. Uh, Andrew Cuomo. I keep calling him Mario. God. That's an easy mistake to make. <laughs> well, it is because I admired his father so sure. much. Um, at least I don't call him Chris. <laughs> Fair. He probably would not like that. Right. Uh, so— uh, she was asked about, what do you think about all these establishment endorsements of Andrew Cuomo? She said, basically, we expected this. You know, so the, the convention happened last week. And, you know, Andrew Cuomo, he runs the New York Democratic Party. He's going to get all the establishment endorsements. We walked into the lion's den. We knew what it was. We knew it was his backyard. But we wanted to show people that, uh, you know, that they had an alternative and that we weren't afraid and that actually the Democratic Party is our party, too. So how's it going? That race. Does she have a shot? I mean, I think that she she certainly has a good narrative, um, you know, that that she is the anti-establishment candidate. Um, And I think that, you know, Clinton's backing Cuomo is is not a surprise. I think the DNC was it was interesting to me that the DNC got in so forcefully in that race after I mean, after Tom Perez kind of, uh, 
you know, kind of rebuked the DCCC a little bit when they got so involved in the the Texas 7 um, primary in in Houston in the the congressional district. Um, I mean, he said, you know, you went on uh, a C-SPAN and said, I don't think the Democratic Party should be anointing candidates. Um, and then and he also <laughs> said the Democrats at DNC should not be uh, end- making endorsements in Democratic primaries. Right, exactly. And and that is certainly coming off of 2016 um, and, and the heat felt mm-hmm. after 2016 when there was this perception that the, the Democratic Party had just gotten all in behind one candidate and, and ignored a candidate that was doing very well all on his own. So, I mean, this is this is a narrative that that keeps popping up everywhere. And, and I, I feel like Perez... Um, up to this point had been very cautious about making sure he didn't step on toes and making sure that, you know, everybody felt like they had a fair shot. It seemed like he wanted to make that sort of the the line. Um, I mean, New York is is uh, obviously it's it's huge. It's a big the it's a big race. Um, you know, I I confess that I haven't been following the New York governor's race as closely as some of the I've been so focused on California primary mm-hmm. races and, and others lately. But, you know, Nixon has name recognition and post 2016 and, and now in 2018 with some of the the intraparty fighting going on. She, I mean, she has this clear narrative. And I think that that is a boost for her. Early right. On. Um, Larry Cohen, who is the chair of Our Revolution, the Bernie right. Sanders group, was in a couple of days ago, and they've endorsed Cynthia Nixon. Right, yeah. Uh, I don't know whether there's any of the other, prog- like the Progressive Change Campaign Committee have taken a stand or not. I'd be surprised if they haven't. I just don't know that. So so um, she'll give uh, Cuomo at least a run for his money, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it'll, it'll certainly shake things up, and she's clearly, you know, <laughs> they've clashed. They clashed from the minute she got in the race, so it's not going to be, uh, you know, very polite yeah. race necessarily. So tell us what you've seen and found in California. Well, of particular interest to me as a California voter. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been following the California Senate race um, where Dianne Feinstein is facing a primary challenger, um, Kevin DeLeon, who is the former pro tem of the California State Senate and has gotten a lot of progressive bills passed into law in California. Um, and I mean, to be perfectly honest, like, I mean, De Leon doesn't have much of a shot because Feinstein is just such an institution. I think that there have been questions more lately about um, just how long she's been in Congress for. I mean, she is seeking her sixth term at 84. She's the oldest U.S. senator currently. Um, and there are some questions about, you know, if if it's time for her to step aside and, and let, you know, a younger new candidate um, and also in in California, I think I don't think that her centrist brand is really that much of a detriment to her, even though California is seen as a, a very liberal state. Um, she's just been around for such a long time. I feel like there is a perception that she gets things done for California and she has a pretty high approval rating. Um, but it's been interesting. The past few weeks, she has kind of shifted um, her stance on the death penalty. She reversed her stance on the death penalty and now says she opposes it, um, whereas she she ran on it, um, being being pro-capital punishment kind of early on in her career. Um, and De Leon is, is kind of interesting. I actually was in Sacramento a few weeks ago and interviewed him, and he is certainly running as the progressive outsider candidate. But the thing that I found interesting was that he was like very 
ready to highlight the ways that he would work with Republicans in in the Senate if he was elected. And I think that he his his line is I'm a progressive politician, but these policies are policies for every American, whether you're a Sanders supporter, a Trump supporter, a Clinton supporter. I don't care. Um, And he's trying to highlight, you know, things like climate change, you know, things that affect everybody, things that he wants to work on. Uh, I was in Sacramento last week and uh, interviewed by a reporter uh, for Cal Matters, the uh, Mm. great political website out there, uh, asked me what I thought of the Senate race. And my comment was that uh, I never thought I would live long enough to see Dianne Feinstein oppose the death penalty. Um, Because I was there in 1992 in the state convention when uh, she was running for state U.S. Senate for the first time. And in front of the Democratic State Convention, she announced that she supported the death penalty, was roundly booed, sounded like uh, Rudy Giuliani at Yankee Stadium the other day. <laughs> uh, but it was d- done with all due deliberation. She had a uh, uh, her camera crew there to record that moment, knowing that she would be booed. And they used that ad when she, in the general election campaign, and it elected her. So, I mean, she... she used her support for the death penalty to get elected as a Democratic senator. Right. She's always been pro-death penalty. I never thought I would live, uh, and uh, I'm a huge admirer of Senator Feinstein. I'm just saying politically, I never thought I'd live long enough to see her change her position on the death penalty and on the recreational use of marijuana, right? which she now supports and right. never did before. Yeah, right. so she's definitely so shifting she's, some of her stances to the left. Right. Yeah. So to reflect this blue state where right. Donald Trump's popularity in California is like less than 30%. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't necessarily think that that all has to do with, with De Leon. I mean, but but primaries do put some things into perspective and, and um, it's interesting. Um, and then besides the, the Senate race, there are also a number of um, – closely watched house races um and i haven't been reporting on those but my colleague tara golshan has and um i think there is is kind of a real fear among democrats that they could potentially get locked out of some of these districts that they were hoping to to flip um because of the california top two primary system where it's not a primary for republicans and a primary for democrats it's a primary for the top two candidates no matter what party um, so in like Dana Rohrbacher's district, mm-hmm. there is another Republican running who is doing as well as the two Democrats who are bitterly infighting. <laughs> so um, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I think uh, it's it's going to be a dramatic race. Uh, big victory this week for in Virginia for Governor Ralph yes. Northam. Yeah. Medicaid expansion. How did he pull that off? I mean, because the legislature is still. It's not a Democrat, almost, but right. not a democratic, democratically controlled legislature. Right. Well, I think so. It was much easier this time around in the House of Delegates, which was the the House that or the the chamber that almost flipped um, after elections last year. So that was sort of the first block that went down. But um, the the Virginia Senate is still pretty heavily controlled by Republicans and. Um, I think it was four um, had to to side with the Democrats and enable in in order for Medicaid expansion to to sail through. Um, I just think that 
Yeah, I think that it's sort of it just, you know, matching kind of the political reality. I mean, I think that that Republicans in Virginia had a big message sent to them <laughs> last year um, that mm-hmm. they're they're not as safe as they as they thought they were. And I think that um, I mean, Medicaid expansion, I think, is is popular enough, at least so that it was able to go through and, and Northam, yeah, was able to, to shepherd it through. I mean, I, I read in your article 400,000, yes. as many as 400,000 Virginians yes. could then be get um, to qualify for Medicaid yes. under this program. I mean, that's huge. It is huge. That's I mean, the other two states that are considering it, um, it's on the ballot, I believe, in Utah this year. And then Idaho is also potentially they're gathering signatures for it. But in each of those states, um, it would be less than 100,000 people that would get it. I think it's around 70,000. So, yeah, 400,000 is that's not an insignificant number. No. And something that um, Governor Terry McAuliffe tried many times, many times to get and yes. could not get through the legislature. Yeah. So it's a huge win for Northam, like right off the bat. I mean, it's yeah, that's that's a one of the biggest, if not the biggest thing, I think, on his. You know, list. it also makes it more difficult, I think, for. For the the Senate uh, to ultimately repeal Obamacare, because this is all under the aegis of Obamacare that states have this option of expanding Medicaid. Right. Uh, and um, we know, I forget the number of states, red states, including Virginia, uh, that did not do so the last time around. Now, as more and more states do so, um, it 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 just I think reinforces the existence and the importance of Obamacare, making it more difficult for, yeah. for Trump and Republicans uh, to get rid of, uh, rid of it. Uh, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but you've also been reporting on the situation in Puerto Rico. Yes, yeah. Which, uh, not getting not getting uh, back on track as fast as people thought it might, or we right. maybe believed it right. was. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, there was a new report out this week from um, researchers at Harvard that found the death toll. So the official death toll in Puerto Rico, I believe the government death toll is 64. And this report found that the death toll is uh, well over 4,000. Um, and that is, yeah, <laughs> obviously much, much larger than the official death toll. Um, one of the things that the researchers noted is that they didn't have any help from the government in trying to collect data. They had to go around and kind of survey uh, family members of, of people who had died and, and just sort of talk to them about their access to, to basic necessities like food and water and electricity, medical care um, before and after the storm. So it was like a year before compared to, to after the storm. And yeah, they found that, that thousands of people um, died. And, and, you know, some of it was from the hurricane, but some of it was just from the aftermath of not being able to to get these basic needs. You know what strikes me is uh, uh, is like already we're already we just are in the first tropical storm uh, that's right it's that hurricane hit, season again. Yeah, that's hitting the mid-Atlantic. Just I don't know whether you saw Peter the the uh, the pictures of Asheville, one of our favorite cities yeah, on the planet, man. and the flooding in Asheville. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there a couple of people swept away in their car in uh, North Carolina, another part of near Boonville, I think it was North Carolina yesterday. Uh, I mean, it seems to me awfully early for these storms to be hitting, but. And in normal. Maryland, in Ellicott City, there was. Ellicott City yeah. was, whoa, yeah. Again. Again. This just yeah. happened to them. Like a, couple a couple of years, years ago, yeah, I believe, right? Ago, yeah. yeah, no. Um, well, don't say it's climate change. Because we know climate change is just a hoax invented by the uh, 
by the Chinese. But we're dealing with these storms. Uh, 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 worse storms coming earlier, it seems, every year. With more frequency. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is the new normal. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe it is easier to get to these parts of the United States than it was to get to, the, to, to Puerto Rico because we know Puerto Rico is an island surrounded by ocean, yes, water, right. big water, right? <laughs> <laughs> but still, no excuse for, uh, for not doing the job down there. We, we said yesterday if, if um, Chef Jose Andres could get down there right, uh, with all of his equipment and all of his kitchens and, and, and do such a great job, then FEMA should have been able to get there too. You've been all over the place here, Ella, with a lot of, a lot of good reporting. Thank you so much for coming in. Yes, okay. thanks for having me. To Vox. It's Vox.com, yes. correct? And follow Ella there and all of our good friends. We'll take a quick break. Hour number two coming up. Stay with us. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of The Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show, and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. The summit. Will it happen? Who the hell knows? It is June 1. The uh, expected date is only 11 days away, but we still have no idea whether we're going to try to pull it off or not. Hello, everybody. Here we go. Happy Friday. Happy month of June. It is June 1, uh, 2008, 18. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. The Bill Press Show live from our nation's capital with you everywhere in this great land of ours with all the news of the day to take you into the weekend. And we jump from Donald Trump giving a big pardon yesterday to a man who doesn't deserve one. Dinesh D'Souza didn't need one. Uh, committed a crime, pleaded guilty to their crime, um, paid a fine. So what's the big deal? He was a big uh, member of the conservative media supporting Donald Trump's campaign. That That's what the big deal was. And now he says, I'm thinking about pardoning Rod Blagojevich and Martha Stewart. Why? Because they happen to be on The Apprentice. They're my buddies. This is how Donald Trump sees the pardon, um, pardon power of the presidency, use it as a political tool to reward his friends. Uh, and Donald Trump yesterday announcing new tariffs, speaking about our friends, on our friends, Canada, Mexico, and the European Union. So much to talk about. We'll take you through the news of the day. Looking forward to hearing from you and your comments on what's going on. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Lindsay Gibbs joins us a little bit later this half hour uh, from uh, Think Progress to talk all the latest sports news, and there's a lot of it. 
But first, this will go is the to full court press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple other stories making news. Bill, let's go to West Hollywood. We know how much you love West, West Hollywood. I, I lived there for a long time. Yes, Loved it. Yes, love it. Indeed. Love it. Well, there are new applications for what are being called. Stormy Daniels, key to the city. <laughs> <laughs> there are new applications for things that are, that are being called pot lounges. Pot lounges. Oh, now, they've hmm. done a lot to decriminalize recreational marijuana yeah, yeah. out in California. And West Hollywood is trying to cash in on, instead of bars, where you go in and you buy a drink and you sit there and you enjoy your beverage, you mm-hmm. go into a lounge and you buy your weed and you sit there and you enjoy your weed. They're trying to sort of create a new scene out there in West Hollywood. So there are going to be different licenses. They're the first city in the country to introduce licenses like this, right? Obviously, you could go in and you could buy pot in a couple of different other areas. But to actually go in, sit down, and enjoy it on site, this is the new thing. No booze will be served. And there are eight licenses that are up for grabs. Would you mm. go? I might go in. I'm not going to go buy one. Oh, sure. Yeah, no. Right, 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 right. But you know what? That reminds me. That, like, I, I can't believe it. There's a place right across from the White House on 15th Street, across from the Treasury Department, a cigar lounge. Yeah. Sure. I mean, there's no way I would walk in there. But the people go in there like, I, I see these through the windows. These business guys go in there at noontime and just sit there. They're all just sitting there smoking their cigars. <laughs> cigars. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know how you could breathe in there. <laughs> I don't think you can. That's the point. Uh, by the way, some sad news. Uh, yesterday, Sears announcing that they are closing more of their stores, 63 stores to be exact. Mm. Now, in the past 12 months, they've closed 400 stores altogether. So now they have a total of 894. That includes the 63 that will be closing. So it'll be just over 800 after those. Uh, close out. Uh, it, it's it's, it's kind of nuts, man. Sears and well, Kmart merged a couple years ago, and when they yeah. merged, yeah. they had a total of 3,500 U.S. stores between them. Now we're down to 894, and soon to be less than that. But I mean, Sears, Sears Roebuck. That that's about as American as you can that's get. Americana. That's American pie, man. Yeah. Not you for know long. what? Someday we're going to do a story saying. McDonald's just closed 800 800 franchises. This is the Bill Press Show. Okay, Mr. President, I want to pardon. I want to pardon. Damn it. Now, I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't committed a crime. I want an anticipatory pardon. I want a prophylactic pardon so that when I do commit a crime, I'll be taken care of. Hey, you're giving them to all your friends. Why not me, Nash D'Souza? Why not Bill Press? Hello, everybody. Yes, indeed, uh, this big pardon is big news of the day on this Friday, June 1. Hello, hello, hello. It's great to see you. And thank you for uh, joining us, being part of the program. You're a very important part of the program as we boom out to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio on Capitol Hill, joining you wherever you are in this great land of ours on the radio and television and online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. 
Yes, joining you on the radio on WCPT out in the greater Chicago area and on television on Free Speech TV with lots to talk about today. Lindsay Gibbs will be joining us soon from Think Progress uh, to talk about the latest sports news. And there's a lot of it with the uh, um, Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs and uh, what's still going on with Major League Baseball and with the anthem and all that kind of stuff. And uh, then this, our last half hour together today, Kyle Kondek with us talking politics from the University of Virginia's Center for Politics. Uh, you know, Michael Cohen, right? Haven't heard a little bit about him for a while, much about him for a while, but uh, Michael Cohen was uh, came up again yesterday because this goes kind of way back. Our friend Tim Mack, you may remember him. He used to be a frequent guest on the show. He's now with... NPR. NPR, that's right. Uh, NPR released this tape yesterday from the Wayback Machine when Tim Mack was working for Daily Beast. Yep, yep. Uh, and he was writing a story. This was in 2016. Uh, he was writing a story about Ivana Trump in her book saying that accusing Donald Trump of raping her, her then husband. Which is something that she absolutely wrote in her book. She wrote in her book, then later she said, well, maybe it wasn't really. But then she backed off a little bit. But So Tim was exploring this issue. He called Hope Hicks, who was then the communications director for the Trump campaign, uh, and wanted a comment from them about what about this accusation of rape against your candidate. Hope Hicks did not call him back. Instead, Donald Trump's personal attorney called him back, Michael Cohen, and you get a little bit of a um, flavor here from this telephone call, which Tim Mack recorded. Not great quality, but you'll, you'll get it. Uh, a little bit of a taste of the way Donald Trump and Michael Cohen both treat people that they don't like. Mark my words for it. I will make sure that you and I meet one day while we're in the courthouse. And I will take you for everything that you still don't have. And I will come after you, Daily Beast, and everybody else that you possibly know. Do not even think about going to where I know you're planning on going. And that's my warning for today. Michael, besides the warning, do you have a substantive comment that I can include in my piece that reflects your views on this? I have no views because there's no story. I will come after you. I will take you for every penny that you still don't have, right? I will come after you and everybody you know and every all your family and don't even think about going there. Oh, man. Very Trumpy. Very Trumpy. Don't you do? <laughs> Michael, you can see why Michael Cohen and Donald Trump get along, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Hotheads. Right. I also love Tim Mack, the cool thing. Now, aside, so that's my warning for the day. And Tim says, now, aside from your warning, <laughs> uh, do you have a comment that you I could put in my story? Because that's what I called for, right? I think he's a <laughs> Good lot for him. cooler than I would have been in that situation. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I might have used a few words back at him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that uh, <clears throat> that method is effective? I don't know. I, I don't know. wouldn't scare me. I'm sure it's worked on some people. I guess it has worked on some people, you know. Seriously, I, I it would just make me more determined than ever to write something nasty. But yeah, well, I mean, look what happened. It took a little while, but now we hear the audio. Tim put the audio out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Uh, another big story we have in the, well, big event yesterday. Uh, this happens every year. Now, we know that we have to go back to that uh, our executive producer, Peter Ogburn, won the spelling bee yes. for the state of South Carolina. Three years in a row, Bill. Three oh, I didn't know it was row. three years in three a row. Three years in a row, yes, indeed. I still remember the two words that I went out on. I misspelled. Yes. Duchess. What? Duchess. 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 D-U-C-H-E-S-S? I put a T in. Oh. I put a T in. Oh. And shellac. S-H-E-L-L-A-C. I put a K on the end. But you, you got the both of those correct. Congratulations. All right. Now, now, what do Mr. I get? now Mr. Hotshot, can you spell koinonia? <laughs> that was the winning word at the script I, spelling bee. I, I, I saw it yesterday. No, I saw it. I still couldn't spell it. Koine- I don't even know what the hell it means. I had to look it up. So it's defined as, quote, an intimate spiritual communion and participative sharing a common in a common religious commitment and spiritual community. Koinonia. So uh, 14-year-old Karthik Namani from McKinney, Texas, got that question. He had to spell it right for all the marbles yesterday. Koinonia. K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. That is correct. Not bad, huh? Smart ass. <laughs> I'm looking at some of the words that he had to spell, by the way. Mm. I can't even pronounce these. I, I'm not kidding. Pasa spiral. Pasa spiral. Anki Mm. Hasetas. I don't. What, Wait, what am I doing? Why am I trying to read? I can't read these. Well, you can't even read them, let alone spell them. I would never in a million years. But I mean, know how to so spell. these were ones they got right before he Those got. He got right. Koinonia, right? Koinonia. K O I N O N I A. Koinonia. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'd be happy if Donald Trump could spell pardon right. You know. I mean. That's what gets me about these spelling bees. They yeah. always come up with these words that nobody uses, that right. nobody's ever heard of, that basically, I don't know, they just, what, they're the, probably the least used words in the dictionary. They exist, so, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> no one uses them in everyday language. But you're right. I think it's nice that we take a moment to applaud people who know how to spell since we spend so much time talking about our president who cannot read or write. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I, and uh, by the way, you've got me going. I cannot. Rem- I I was in a spelling bee too, and I went down. I think the, on the first round, or yeah, I, at least I went out. I went out for sure, uh, but I forget the word. It was um, it was not. It was not anything nearly as complicated as Koinonia. Koinonia. By no. the way, this kid is uh, 14 years old. He wins forty thousand dollars in cash, plus he gets a trophy and a two thousand five hundred dollars savings bond, and. They give him uh, a set of encyclopedias, which I'm not sure that he needs <laughs> if he knows that much. But, yeah, hey, you know, congratulations. Well, we were talking last hour about Sears Roebuck going away. Yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> I remember when encyclopedias were a big deal, too. Sure. Where you, did, you, you couldn't think about bringing your kids up in a house that didn't have a set of encyclopedias. Yeah. Do you have any in your house now? Of course not. No, hell no. no. no you know way. what I've got now? Google. Exactly. I got a laptop. And Bing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. And Wikipedia. Yeah. There you go. Right. Takes up a lot less room on the shelf. Uh, <laughs> indeed.
Yep, the big uh, the big story yesterday, of course, um, the biggest is, uh, as we indicated there right at the top of the show, Donald Trump uh, announcing just after we ended our show yesterday that he was going to give a full presidential pardon to um, conservative commentator Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, important to understand, first of all, um, what Dinesh D'Souza did that Donald Trump felt uh, demanded a pardon. Uh, he admittedly pleaded guilty to laundering money, breaking the law, by asking friends of his, convincing them uh, to give a big political contribution to his friend who is running for U.S. Senate against Kirsten, against Kirsten Gillibrand uh, in New York. Um, it, it, it's the Republican Senate candidate... Ooh. Wendy Long was his friend from Dartmouth, running against Kirsten Gillibrand. Uh, and so he asked two people to give $10,000 each to Wendy Long, and he promised them that if they did that, he would reimburse them for it. That's not allowed. That's a straw man. That's laundering money. It's against federal election law. Uh, he was caught. He, was, he pleaded guilty. He was sent, fined $30,000, and he had to do some public service time uh, and was sort of like under house arrest or something like that uh, in San Diego, which is not a bad place to be uh, under house arrest in. At any rate, um, pleaded guilty, paid his fine. Donald Trump feels says the government treated him so unfairly. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. He broke the law. He got caught, and he got nabbed. They served his served his sentence, um, and then then Donald Trump, who has already pardoned, this is the third celebrity, if you will, that he's pardoned, after Sheriff Joe Arpaio uh, in Arizona, also convicted of breaking the law, and Scooter Libby also convicted of breaking the law by revealing the identity or helping reveal the identity of a CIA agent, and then Donald Trump turning around saying, "Well, next, you know, I may pardon Martha Stewart." And Rod Blagojevich, both of whom I know well because both of them were on The uh, Apprentice. Patricia Blagojevich, Rod Blagojevich's wife, he's still serving his time, his 14-year sentence uh, in an Illinois prison. She says she compares what's happening to her husband to what's with his trial and conviction with what's happening now to Donald Trump under Robert Mueller's special counsel investigation. These same people that did this to my family, these same people that, you know, secretly taped us and, um, and twisted the facts and perverted the law that ended up my husband in jail, um, you know, these same people are trying to do the same thing that they did to my husband just on a much larger scale. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they were emboldened. They took down a governor, and now they're trying, they've got their sights much higher. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> I mean, come on. Blagojevich, there's well, no you know, connection at all, but Blagojevich, let's remember. So he's governor of Illinois. Barack Obama gets elected uh, president of the United States, and Blagojevich is... So he's got he has an appointment to make to fill Obama's Senate seat, or he becomes a nominee of the party. He's got no president. He's got a, so he gets to fill the Senate seat, 
and he tries to sell it. He actually gets on the phone talking to people, basically auctioning off Obama's Senate seat. And if he doesn't get enough money for it, he said he would take the Senate seat himself. Let me just read what he said in this one phone call, uh, having taken out all the F-bombs in, in it. Quote, he's talking about this Senate seat. Quote, I've got this thing and it's golden. And I'm not just giving it up for nothing. I'm not going to do it. And I can all and I can always use it. I can parachute me there. <laughs> um, yeah, selling a U.S. Senate seat. Okay. By the way, that clip of of Blagojevich's wife there oh. sounds like Donald Trump wrote those comments. Like it sounds like. It's a witch hunt. They were out to get me. Now they're out to get him. Or they were out to get Rod, and now they're out to get Trump. And again, it's sort of like just another voice trying to discredit investigators, special counsels, Robert Mueller, all that stuff, right? So, like, this is very clear what's happening. Like, yeah. Donald Trump wants her out there saying this. Right. No, it, it's, uh, it, it is. It, it basically... What what she's doing is what Donald Trump always does, is turn it back to him, just like he did on the Roseanne Barr thing. Never never condemn Roseanne Barr's comments, but turn it back to him. Why didn't I get an apology? Why didn't Robert Iger call me? Um, it uh, goes on and on. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Lindsay Gibbs will be joining us from Think Progress, sports reporter at Think Progress, um, with a little transportation difficulties this morning. But she makes it. I, I made it. Hey. Having a J.R. Smith-like morning here. Oh, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? All right. Good to see you. NBA off to a big start last night. Oh, what a start. What a start. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it went into overtime, and the Warriors, or the Cavs, Tell us about it. Right? Yeah, so it was a it was a much better game, I think, than anyone was expecting. The Warriors are a much better team than the Cavaliers by any measurement, except for LeBron James. And LeBron yeah. James had one of his games, scored fifty points, I think fifty one, maybe ended up fifty one yeah. Took it into overtime, but they had a chance to win it at the end. And J.R. Smith got a rebound after a missed free throw, and he took the ball out to midcourt, seemingly thinking that they were tied, that they were winning. Oh man, lost track of the score. Oh, it was so painful to watch. I felt so bad for LeBron. Uh, So, and then they just got creamed in overtime. There were a lot of there were a lot of bad officiating calls, but mainly, I think. For the team, it just felt like we had done all this work. We had gone overboard. We had exceeded our expectations, and we should have won that game. So this playoff has been going on and on and on. I mean, this playoff <laughs> series, right? It seems to me lasting forever. Uh, first game last night. When's the next game? In and and they, they stay in Oakland for another game. One more game in Oakland. Yeah. So I believe that's in tomorrow night. Tomorrow I believe. night, right? And. Whoa. And then, yeah, then they'll be back in Cleveland, and you have to think that the Cavaliers have to get one of these games right, in Oakland. Right. Yeah, and but it's hard to believe that the Warriors are gonna gonna drop one. It's yeah. just so so devastating because nobody thought this was gonna be a really good series because the Warriors are just and this so is much the better. third year in a row than these two teams. Fourth year. Fourth year. Fourth, Fourth year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, 
But, it, you know, everyone's saying, oh, this is boring, this is boring. I love it because LeBron James is so compelling that I don't really ever want to see a finals without him. <laughs> like, he's just that yeah. interesting. And like we saw last night, he has the ability to make games that shouldn't be close. Mm -hmm. Uh, extremely close. So I, I I love this matchup. I think it's incredibly intriguing. But after after what J.R. Smith did in those final seconds, I don't know how you rebound from that. Right. Um, and t tomorrow night's going to be another big night here in Washington. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, you have your tickets? Oh, yes. You know, I... Uh, Peter, I Peter was looking this morning, the cheapest seat <laughs> for the Caps tomorrow night, Caps versus uh, the Golden Knights, is that mm -hmm. what they're called? Yeah, from Vegas. $875. Oh, well, that's, you know. Nosebleed seat. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's where they start. That's where they begin on StubHub. Unbelievable. Right. And, you know, that's, that's a normal Friday night for me. So yeah. that's, <laughs> that's a normal Saturday night. Normal Saturday yeah. night. Right. No, so it's... now it's tied 1-1 for Stanley Cup, right? Yeah. The D.C., the Capitals have finally won their first Stanley Cup playoff game. So, you know, we're... I'm a I'm from North Carolina, and I like to remind everyone here that the Carolina Hurricanes have won a Stanley Cup, and the uh, oh. the Capitals have not. So we might be a week or so from me not having that ammunition anymore. <laughs> is it is it best of five or what? Do you oh, know? Best of seven. Best yeah. of seven. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Right. So and and uh, Vegas is a new team. Right? Brand new really? team, an yeah. expansion team. And a wonderful story, kind of an island of misfits players, mm -hmm. but th they got a lot of a lot of advantages from the NHL that some people think that maybe a lot of expansion teams are set up to fail, <laughs> you know, with a lot of rules mm -hmm. and regulations. That wasn't really true for Vegas, but I think mainly it was because they didn't think that they would win. That nobody thought that this was going to happen this quickly. But I think it's going to be great for the NHL. There's so much money coming into the NHL, and this team has gotten so popular so quickly, and that's rare for expansion markets. You have also been writing about the um, Olympic, uh, U.S. Olympic Committee leaders um, after, in the wake of this whole Dr. Nasser and you, University of Michigan, you know, this talk now what's going on at the Olympics. It's kind of similar, isn't it, in that the officials knew what was going on and did nothing about it? Absolutely. So... This wasn't just a problem in in with Dr. Nasser. It wasn't just a problem with in USA Gymnastics. We've seen um, many times throughout the Olympic movement of officials looking the other way when it comes to sexual abuse because they care more about, as the lawyers like to say, medals and money than they do about the safety of these athletes. And because the overturn is so great within Olympic sports, because you're your time within the sport is in general so short and there's always a next generation coming. Mm -hmm. They've been able to really get away with these you know, decades of corruption. There's actually gonna in be- sports across the board? Um, so the biggest, the biggest problems have been in USA Taekwondo, uh, there's been USA Speed Skating, USA Volleyball, and USA Swimming as well as USA Gymnastics. But yeah, I mean, look, predators, I mean, it's an unfortunate reality that the kind of intimate relationship between a coach and a young athlete uh, is ripe for exploitation for the wrong person. And it's something that we all have to be on the lookout for. And, you know, parents, other coaches, trainers, officials, everyone just needs to be more well-educated about 
what to look out for and what the signs are. Thankfully, you know, we don't expect much from Congress, but they did have a hearing last week, the House did, where they brought a lot of the leaders um, of the Olympic movements in to, to try and get some answers from them. And then actually the beginning of next week, the Senate is having another hearing, um, and that will include two of Nasser's biggest enablers, um, President a uh, former Michigan State President, mm-hmm. Louisiana mm-hmm. K. Simon, and the former head of USA Gymnastics, Steve Penny. So that's a really big deal that both of these individuals are going to be testifying under oath. It goes back to the University of Pennsylvania, too, right? With Joe Penn State, Pen- yeah. Penn, Penn State, State, I'm yes. sorry, with Paterno, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it. it it's, and, and I'm just thinking about the Catholic Church with, with the priest pedophilia yeah. mess, too, where when the leadership is... A, is informed of this or warned or didn't get any word of this that instead of taking action right away they look the other way or they delay or they just ignore it um then to me that's that's been the real problem across the board yeah you have to have accountability for the enablers and for the people who knew about it and did nothing or and you, you have to be able to still be willing to punish people when they really should have known and decided not to look that way because i think what happens is so when, is are the u.s is the u.s olympic committee taking any action or um unfortunately only the their their ceo just resigned a couple months ago primarily due to health reasons as their excuse he does have cancer the person who is currently running the U.S. Olympic Committee was very in all, involved in the enabling, especially within USA Taekwondo. So Congress really needs to come down hard on the U.S. Olympic Committee because the U.S. Olympic Committee is funded through Congress. Mm. They Congress gives the USOC their power through the Amateur Sports Act. So it, it's kind of scary when you're relying on Congress yeah, as yeah. your stopgap. But it, like, if we can't all agree, have bipartisan support that like sex abuse in Olympic sports is bad, and if we can't take actions as a country to stop that, I don't know where we are. Right, right. And, and so in, in in this case, Congress really could, unlike in some of the other uh, cases of abuse where Congress had no role at all, here Congress really does play a role. They play a role. I don't think like the, all the members of Congress knew about this or anything, yeah, yeah. but like I said, they give the USOC the power to certify all these organizations. They fund this organization. So one issue that just doesn't seem to want to go away because Donald Trump won't let it go away is the national anthem uh, issue. Uh, and the NFL it looks to us like totally caved <laughs> on this issue, right? Saying that if you're out in the field, you got to stand for the national anthem or else. It's horrible. They totally gave in to the framework that President Trump wanted to set that the people who've been against the protests from the beginning wanted to set, which is that this is about patriotism. And this is, yeah. if you're taking a knee, you don't love the country, which is not true. You, you can... Protesting peacefully to make your country better is loving your country. <laughs> like that is wanting your country to be better is out of a place of love. And and the issue that Colin Kaepernick was bringing attention to has not gone away. It's just gotten worse in it, terms of young black men in particular being shot, unarmed, being shot by police department. It's gotten worse. And because of this news cycle we've been in for the past two years since, you know, Trump was elected and since the election really went haywire, this the 
we're no longer getting the press for these killings like we were when Alton Sterling or Michael Brown. They're not penetrating the news cycle in this way because the news cycle is now five seconds long <laughs> and mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. full of, full of Russia. You know, and that's that's what we're paying attention or to. Or Stormy Daniels. Or Stormy Daniels. Yeah. Or you know, I mean, there's no way to keep up with the news cycle. There's no way to penetrate it. So we need the protests are more powerful now than ever because they force this conversation into the news when it's not happening otherwise but unfortunately the people who who give us the news the newscasters are buying into the wrong framing and are allowing the people who want to stop the conversation about police brutality they're they're allowing them to reframe this so that we're not having the conversation about free police brutality we're having the conversation about respecting our troops which is neither here nor there not what this is about so the nfl caved in but as you've written uh not the uh nwnba yeah the wnba has been incredibly strong when standing up to trump when standing up to his policies not only are the players speaking out, but you recently had the president of the WNBA, Lisa Borders, release a, an incredibly strong statement in support of Planned Parenthood after Trump once again took actions to defund it. And to see an organization like the WNBA, who could very well be trying to pander to all fans, you know, and doing the we want to stay yeah. middle of the road because we need as many fans as possible. And the best way to go about this is to, you know, not take sides. What they're doing is they're leaning into social activism and leaning into women's rights in a really powerful way and making that honestly a part of its brand, a part of its identity. Uh, aren't you a big fan of the WNBA, Peter? You go, to, yeah. I do go to WNBA yeah. games. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for them. I All think right. it's great. No. Yeah, the Washington Mystics are great are, this year, so it's going to be a fun season. Are they getting any uh, feedback? I mean, from their, I mean, or any blowback from people who are not happy with their their stance? Or are they? Uh, I mean, I'm sure personally, a lot of them are, but. What happens when you just make a stand and you admit that you're not giving in to, you know, the trolls yeah. is people, when they realize they're not making an impact on you, they they look the other way. And, of course, it's easier for an organization like the WNBA to do because, first of all, they're used to trolls. Just their very existence yeah. brings out the trolls. Sure. Sure. And they also are, you know, they, they're not as big, right? They're not. They, they don't have the microscope of the NFL, so Trump isn't weaponizing them in this way. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just think what we're seeing is the fact that if you just lean into your decision and don't apologize for it, people move on. Yeah. And that's something the NFL has the NFL's wavering on this and their inability they're 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 trying to play both sides has just made this all blow up into the fact that Everyone's enraged now. Uh, we got to let you go, but Nats look pretty good, huh? They're not looking bad. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not last night. They ended up losing, I think, last night. Oh, did they? Uh, they yeah, yeah, I was yeah, all yeah. NBA last night, but yeah, uh, right. But otherwise, they they were, I think, going into last night half a game out in front or something like that. But they're yeah. It's gonna be a fun summer here in DC. It is. Maybe a, a championship. You never know. So. Uh, uh, I, we always make the playoffs, but uh, maybe but like the Caps will get through right. the playoffs into the finals <laughs> this time, into the World Series. Hey, Lindsay, it's great to see you. Thanks for all that you do there at Think Progress. It's thinksprogress.org, right? Dot org. Okay, follow Lindsay and all of our good friends at Think Progress, thinkprogress.org. Coming up, 
Kyle Kondek from the University of Virginia Center for Politics on all the political news of the day. Quick break. We'll be right back. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. Hey, you couldn't wait for the month of June? Well, here we are, June 1, 2018. Uh, hello, everybody. Great to see you today. Thank you for uh, being part of the program. Uh, it is the uh, Bill Press Show coming to you live from Washington, D.C., brought to you today by the American Federation of Government Employees, the good men and women of the AFGE under President J. David Cox, just sued uh, the Trump administration uh, yesterday. Big announcement uh, uh, over uh, the uh, Trump administration issuing some regs that's saying uh, that they trying to limit the amount of time that uh, union members spend on political activity. Uh, the AFG is saying, you know, keep your nose out of our business. We know what we're doing. We have a right to do what we're doing. Check out their website for more about that uh, lawsuit at AFGE.org. Uh, on the political front, nobody knows it better than uh, Kyle Kondik and Larry Sabato down at the Center for Politics at the University of Virginia. Kyle Kondik joins us in studio. Kyle, it's always good to see you. Good to be here, Bill. Welcome back. Uh, John Boehner yesterday out in Michigan had a little uh, confab, said there is no longer a Republican Party. It is now the Trump Party. Uh, I think that's probably right. And certainly the president continues to have very strong approval ratings, at least amongst Republicans. His national numbers are a little bit better, but still definitely under 45 percent. Um, but, uh, you know, amongst Republicans, it's, you know, 80, 85, 90 percent approval. Uh, I think you're seeing uh, that the Republicans are sort of more rallying around the president than being critical of him. Uh, there was some uh, criticism of the president yesterday for some of these uh, uh, steel tariffs. Yeah. Uh, but generally speaking, I think that, that the Republican Party has been pretty supportive of him, uh, right. g- given, given, some of his be- given some of his behavior. Right. I mean, it is amazing that, I mean, uh, the— so much opposition to him as a candidate, right? right? Uh, and then maybe initially in in the presidency, but um, of course Boehner hasn't been around. But um, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell—I mean, you name it—they've all just basically rolled over, right? You know, I, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about this during the during the twenty fourteen midterm with the pre- with. Obama as president, and I felt like, you know, at times it felt like Democrats were trying to distance themselves from Obama, which totally made sense. Of course, there were a bunch of red state Democrats uh, running for Senate that year. Of course, they basically all lost. Um, but I sometimes wondered if, you know, because the president's approval rating is so important in the midterm, if as a party you sort of rally around the president and try to promote him and try to make sure that his his approval rating stays up as high as it can be. Is that like the better strategy in a midterm environment than running away from the president? And to me, actually, the Republicans are kind of doing that in that they're they're They are really rallying around Trump and they're trying to do things that help him help himself, help his numbers. And, and I, you know, the old cliche, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if the president is is at 45, 46 percent approval, that's the scenario in which the, the Republicans probably will win the House or hold but the House. there was this theory for a time that, OK, look, Donald Trump is who he is. He's not really a Republican. He's just sui generis. And so we'll, you know, we'll kind of suffer through this and then we'll get back to the Republican Party as we know it and love it, and the establishment, if you will, Republican Party. 
I, I don't think that's true anymore. No, I, I don't think it's true either. The Republican, the old Republican Party that we knew ain't coming back. Yeah. No, Wouldn't I you agree. I, I agree. And also, you know, we've seen these important sort of demographic trends over the years, particularly uh, the the uh, migration or the increased migration of uh, white voters who do not have a four-year college degree becoming more and more Republican over time. And that has sort of changed the character of the Republican Party a little bit because some of the, the four-year college-educated white voters have trended into the Democratic Party. The Republican Party, I think, has become a little bit more of a blue-collar party. And I think Trump is a great example of like what that kind of Republican might look like. Just now, maybe maybe a, a sort of extreme version of it, but but um, wh- where that where that party is heading. And it's not just that the leadership of the party has changed, it's that the base of the party has changed too. And again, this is this predates Trump. This is the last couple of decades. And I'm thinking of who it, it were the establishment Republican Party, classic George W. Bush party to come back. Who would be the person to bring it back? Well, Jeff Flake is retiring. Right. Bob Corker is leaving. John McCain, sadly, is not going to be around that much longer. Uh, who, who, you know, you John, know, I mean, John Kasich seems to want to run for president. John although Kasich, yeah. one, one interesting thing about Kasich is that you know he's he's leaving office in Ohio after term limits, and um, you know his numbers are now such that. He's actually arguably more popular with Democrats now than he is with Republicans, which would have been an insane thing to suggest when he oh, started yeah. his governorship because he was very yeah, unpopular. Yeah. Remember the labor legislation? He started out right yeah. with that labor. And uh, and now he's like this kumbaya figure, although, you know, if he and if he could run for a third term, I think he would win it. But I don't think he could have gotten renominated. So mm-hmm. it's just— And it, then yeah. Mitt Romney, who was a very outspoken critic of Trump, right. has now he's basically just gone south because he— Wants to be in the United States Senate. Yep. Which he'll. Seems like he will be. Seems like he will be. Uh, Some breaking political news overnight from Alaska. Uh, So, former Senator Mark Begich, a Democrat who served for a single term, beat Ted Stevens in uh, the 2008 uh, Senate race and lost a pretty close race in in 2014. He is running for. To. to, uh, 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 Not uh, Lisa, the other. uh, 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 Dan Sullivan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. and uh, he is um, going to be uh, running for governor in Alaska. Uh, and it is Alaska is interesting in that it's the only state that has an independent governor, Bill Walker, who is a former Republican, but his running mate, his lieutenant governor, is a Democrat. And prior to Begich getting in the race, supposedly, this was the breaking report overnight, uh, governor Walker was actually going to run in the Democratic primary, but remain an independent. So he's sort of the de facto, would have been kind of the de facto Democratic nominee. But, you know, Alaska is a Republican-leaning state. You have Bill Walker, who maybe is more of a Democrat than a Republican, and also Mark Begich running as a Democrat. It might be pretty hard for, you know, the Republicans might end up winning then because the mm. the the, uh, the Democratic vote could potentially get split there. So it, um, It's already June 1. Isn't it kind of late to be announcing you're going to run? One would for... think so, although Alaska is not a heavily populated state, and Begich, of course, has name ID. In fact, his... Um, you know, his father was a member of the U.S. House and died in a, a tragic plane crash uh, in the early 70s. But so, the, you know, the baggage name has been around in Alaska for a long time. Uh, and so if you're a candidate like that, you can maybe afford to get in a little bit later than uh, than somebody who has less name ID. But, okay. Uh, kind of an interesting, interesting wrinkle overnight. All right. I know you and Larry keep track of all of these uh, races around the country, uh, governor's races, Senate races, House races. Um, what, what's your take generally on this, these midterms? 
So uh, the House, I think, is about 50-50 to flip to the Democrats. Uh, I think there were a lot of people who went a little bit further than that over the past several months, and that's not necessarily wrong, I, but um, the numbers have moved a little bit better for the Republicans in recent weeks. Uh, so anyway, I feel pretty good about just in terms of expressing, I think there's a lot of uncertainty about the U.S. House result. I think the Republicans still are pretty clearly favored to hold the Senate just because the Senate map is so bad for the Democrats are defending almost all of their difficult seats this year. And they essentially would have to sweep the most competitive races to win. That, of course, is possible. And they, they kind of did that in 2012 when on this map they kind of surprisingly added to their majority. Um, but uh, so there's certainly a path for the Democrats to win the Senate. But I would not say that I, I would say that they're underdogs to do that. And then the governor's races, it's the exact opposite. The Republicans are defending a lot of ground, a lot of term-limited incumbents. John Kasich is one of them. Rick Scott in Florida, Rick Snyder in Michigan, et cetera. Uh, the Democrats almost certainly will have more governorships in 2019 than they have now. It's just a question of sort of how many. Their they're, they're clearest and best pickup opportunities in Illinois, where um, Bruce Rauner, the Republican incumbent, is very, very unpopular and uh, Democrat J.B. Pritzker seems like a, a significant favorite uh, going into the general election. Uh, I'll come back to some of the Senate races because um, Democrats have to hold on to all their— the, the, Yeah, like, all 26 uh, that they're defending, and that includes <laughs> Bernie Sanders and uh, of, of Vermont and Angus King of Maine, technically independents, but caucus with Democrats. Right, and, and and you've got the ones that are considered the most vulnerable, Heidi Heitkamp and John Tester, uh, Joe Donnelly, Claire McCaskill, and Joe Manchin, right. I guess, right? Um, which of those do you think is the most vulnerable? Probably McCaskill in Missouri. Um, really? She Not kinda, Donnelly? Yeah, I mean, the people, I think I think a lot of people will sort of classify like Donnelly, McCaskill, and Heidkamp as sort of the most vulnerable. Heidkamp mostly because the state is just so hard for a, de- for a, uh, for a Democrat. Uh, Donnelly and McCaskill in part because they, they benefited from weak opponents in 2012. Uh, you know, we'll see how you know how how good their opponents actually are this time. Uh, but I know that you know when, when you ask Republicans who they you know think are the, the most vulnerable ones, I think they generally name those three in some sort of order. And uh, Eric Greitens, the uh, governor of Missouri, uh, he f- he is finally out. Um, he is, uh, in fact, I think he is officially today's leaving the day. Today's, today's the day. Today's the day. Yeah. 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 Um, and what a fall for that guy who um, was being talked up as a presidential contender. You know, even sure. while he was still a candidate. Um, but just goes to show, you know, when you have these outsider candidates, they may not be quite as vetted as <laughs> as people who have won office before. So, uh, but yeah, he is going to be uh, he's going to be out, and that's a um, I think that's a relief to the state attorney general Josh Hawley, who is the likely Republican because it really uh, has put a cloud over the Senate Republican nominee. Party. Yeah, yeah, and and Hawley, of course, you know, chief law enforcement officer of the state, he's had to deal with some of this Greitens stuff. It's it's presented the split in the party. Uh, but the good thing for Hawley is that, you know, Greitens will be in the rearview mirror, and this gives him time to sort of move move beyond that. So if they if, if Democrats are able to uh, hold on to those seats that they have to defend, then their pickups would come from either Arizona, Nevada, or Tennessee. Tennessee. And yeah. the president was down in Tennessee this week for Marshall Blackburn up against Phil Bredenson. Uh, the president made some comment about Phil, who like I never heard of this guy, but yeah, Tennessee's heard of him. Uh, yeah, he's a I mean two-term governor, pretty popular. I mean, when he won re-election in two thousand six, he I I think he won every county or or, or almost every county, uh, and uh, you know totally romped in, in his re-election bid. And uh, you know he hasn't been you know run for for election in a dozen years, but he seems to have a good image. Um, and if any Democrat could win in that state, you might think it would be someone like him. I'm still a little skeptical, uh, but 
Uh, I, you know, I think we know that the Republicans are worried about it. In fact, that's why the president was there, I'm sure, because of, uh, you know, give a little hand to Marsha Blackburn, the uh, the, the, the uh, likely Republican uh, nominee. And so, you know, yeah, the path is hold everything you got for the Democrats, 26 total seats, and then to pick up two, two more. And Arizona and Nevada are probably the likeliest two, but then you'd maybe look at Tennessee. Uh, if everything breaks right, maybe Ted Cruz would be vulnerable in uh, in oh, Texas. From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> um, by the way, I noticed that uh, Cruz was one of the first people to uh, to talk yes. about uh, the Dinesh D'Souza pardon. He, he pushed it all the yeah, way. He yeah, he did. It, it sounded like he actually had a hand in it. Yeah, and, yeah he's the one who raised it with Trump initially. I mean, not only was D'Souza's, um, and I think maybe you were talking about this earlier today, but um, not only were D'Souza's, you know, his, his, his crime, like totally obvious and it's a totally stupid thing to do. Um, but he's just such a toxic person. And that's, you know, that's not a reason somebody should go to jail. He went to jail for, for he didn't legitimate go to reasons. Jail, but he didn't right. go to jail. Oh, well, he didn't right, serve right. any time. Yeah, right. okay. But but was convicted of yeah. these. Of these he was uh, convicted of, of uh, right. uh, which we know you're not allowed to do. You can't. Yeah, straw donor. Straw scheme, donor right, things. Right. So, uh, but anyway, you know, that, just a little diatribe there. But I mean, uh, I remember when the first one I got involved in politics, it, my first campaign, that's one of the things you learn. No, you cannot. Ask somebody else. Like, for example, the classic was a business guy right. who wanted to help his friend and give them a lot of money, but he could only give, let's say, $1,000, right? right? So we'd get everybody in his firm to write, people who tried this, yeah. to write a check for $1,000, and he would tell them, don't worry, I'll, you know, I'll pay you back. Well, and you I, can't, I remember being drilled into You cannot do that. Tell people they can't do that. It's against the law. I saw some people yesterday saying, oh, well, you know, we shouldn't have contribution limits. And, you know, he was he got railroaded. I'm thinking, well, maybe okay. we shouldn't have contribution but, limits. But I don't we know. Do. But like we do. And you can't yeah. you can't do what he did. Yeah. Yeah. No. And he pretty guilty to it. I mean, he was there's no doubt. No doubt that he got two no people doubt. to write a $10,000 check to Wendy Long, who was a, his buddy, a horrible candidate and got lost by a zillion points. But, yeah. you know, the, the thing about this that I think is so weird is. Donald Trump and his supporters just don't care, right? Like, to the fact that Ted Cruz, who is a legitimate politician, right? Like, he's going to come out there and he's going to make this case that Dinesh D'Souza should be pardoned and should be a free man. Ignoring the fact that what he did was illegal and wrong. Ignoring some of the facts that, like you said, he is a toxic human being with some of the, some stuff, of the, that other said. stuff that some he has said. Some of the stuff said he said is horrible. Some been, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, and also it's not like this conviction hurt D'Souza's career. I mean, he's still been, right. been a very prominent person. And, uh, yeah. and again, just, you know, the, the, the kind of person, you know, it just seems like, you know, all the worst people in America have a megaphone now. <laughs> yeah, and and, uh, and and I don't think that's necessarily just just uh, just but, the right. But I mean, it's but, it's you know. It, so you got we got off on this tangent about the Nash decision because yeah, you mentioned. Sorry about that, but no, yeah, it's all right. right. Thank you for doing <laughs> it. But you mentioned uh, Texas uh, and Ted Cruz, Beta O'Rourke. I must tell you, I hear more about him. As a candidate, than anybody else in the country. Yeah, I think he's an impressive. He has really it, had an impact. He's an impressive candidate. He's, he's, an he's raised a lot of uh, small dollar donations. Um, that said, I think it's a really heavy lift to to, well, to it's win Texas. Yeah, to win as a Democrat statewide. I mean, yeah, I mean there are lots of of uh, liberal pockets in that state, but uh, until some of the big. Um, Highly growing suburban counties start to start to really be in play for Democrats. It's hard to see how they really put it together um, uh, statewide. Don't you love the name though, Beto O'Rourke? He does. He has a uh, he has a great name. 
Uh, he's, from, and he's an old uh, punker. He like he used to be in a punk rock band. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. is from uh, El Paso, and of course that's he's in a you great know candidate. Far, basically New Mexico, and so he, you didn't yeah. really have any name ID statewide, and so it, I mean, it seems like he's working hard. But you know, so whatever you whatever you want to say about Cruz, Cruz is a hard worker too. Cruz will have a very good campaign operation. Uh, and so, you know, it would it would yeah. take it would take a significant um, right. significant wave and uh, kind of a perfect campaign for our work to really put it in play. Uh, talk about Arizona. I just can't believe I, th- I consider it such a red state. It, you know, it's not as much anymore, but certainly it, it, it leans right of center. Uh, the Democrats have, I think, a pretty strong uh, candidate there in uh, Kirsten Sinema, who's a U.S. House member who. Um, in coming up in local politics in Arizona, was seen as sort of a kind of almost like a fringe left person, and then as as a House member, she's been sort of a more of like kind of a blue dog member, which mm-hmm. you know, in terms of positioning herself to run statewide in Arizona, probably was was a pretty smart thing to do. Her district kind of started off as a swing district, but it kind of has, has trended Democratic over time. And you know, the Republican primary, you've got one strong candidate, Martha McSally, also a, a U.S. House member. Um, she holds basically Gabby Gifford's old seat, mm-hmm. effectively, uh, and uh, but then you've got two kind of far right fringe candidates, Joe Arpaio, another uh, recipient of a Donald Trump pardon, right. uh, the former Maricopa County Sheriff, and also Kelly Ward, a, a former state senator who uh, unsuccessfully challenged John McCain in 2016. And so I think the the hope for national Republicans is that Ward and Arpaio basically split kind of the far right vote, and McSally emerges as the consensus candidate, which is. Is probably what's the likeliest thing to happen there, mm-hmm. and then McSally versus Cinema in the in the general election, I think, would be very very competitive. Right, and Nevada Dean Heller uh, considered the most vulnerable. Of- yeah, he's the only um, Clinton one state Republican on the Senate ballot this year. The Democrats are defending ten Trump state um, uh, senators this year, but uh, I think Heller's in a lot of trouble. Uh, his opponent is Jackie Rosen, who is a uh, first term House member. Um, you know, I don't think she's. A particularly well-proven candidate, but I think that the combination of, of, you know, where that state I think is headed and the national environment, you know, should put her in a decent spot. But you know, Heller won kind of surprisingly in 2012 uh, against another now former House member, Shelley Berkeley. So I wouldn't necessarily count it count him out, but uh, certainly if the Democrats don't win Nevada, um, they're probably having a pre- pretty bad night hmm. uh, in November. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, column is out today. Uh, I don't know if they posted it yet, Peter, but um, well, soon. Uh, called California, it's a jungle, uh, and it is. And the primary next Tuesday, uh, the jungle primary, California governor's race. I think probably one of the most interesting in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Gavin Newsom seems like and a the, lot riding on it too. I mean, California, yeah. you know, it's well, the fifth I mean, it's, largest economy in the world, right? Yeah, it's a, and. Uh, um, so Gavin Newsom, lieutenant governor, seems likely to advance to you know to the to, to the, the runoff round Leading, in November. Leading the polls, right. yeah, and then uh, there's a question as to whether a Democrat will advance to face him. Most likely, the former uh, mayor of Los Angeles, Antonio Villaraigosa. Uh, but then you've also got uh, a few Republicans running, and it seems to be this thought that John Cox, who's a Republican businessman, uh, will uh, advance, and but. Newsom wants him to advance because he'd rather run against he, him than yeah. against Villarosa because the California Jungle Primary, as we mentioned a couple of times, it's the top two vote getters. It doesn't matter what party, right? So it could be two Democrats, it could be two Republicans, it could be Democrat and a Republican, could be anything. And but Gavin Newsom will be one of the two, right? The question is, he'd rather run against 
this Republican, John and, Cox. And Democrats in general would rather there be just two Democrats who advance because that that gives Republicans less incentive to turn out. And it seems like in the Senate race, um, two Democrats also will advance, Senator Feinstein. Right. And, and, so uh, Kevin McCarthy has convinced Donald Trump to support John Cox yep. because they want a Republican up there for the same reason that that will incentivize Republicans to come out and vote for governor and therefore vote for other House races while they're yeah, at and, it. Yeah, and you know, as the Democrats try to win the House back, they 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 need to probably need to squeeze even more seats out of California. Um, but here's the thing about that also is we ought to uh, I think recognize nobody believes John Cox could win. No, no. Democrats outnumber Republicans two to one in California. Yeah. It's been over a decade since a Republican won state. Right. And also, I mean, Schwarzenegger was, you know, not your traditional Republican either. Right. And um, John Cox, who ran, I mean, he ran, we were talking to you, he's sort of like the Alan Keys of California. <laughs> Because he came from Illinois to California. Oh, really? He okay, ran. Yeah. He ran for House in California, lost. He ran for Senate in California and lost. Uh, I'm sorry, House in Illinois and lost. Ran for the Senate in Illinois and lost. He ran for president in 2008 in Illinois, for president <laughs> of the United States from Illinois and lost. Then he moved to California, and now he's running for governor of California. Well, and certainly, you know, a, a Donald Trump endorsement might be useful in a in you know getting consolidating Republican support out there, but certainly not in a general election. I wouldn't think so. Um, no, no. And no. but you know, the other wrinkle here is that uh, it, you know, as the Democrats trying to take the House back, they're they're targeting several yeah. seats across the state, uh, including several in uh, in Orange County, which used to be extremely Republican, is now kind of trending Democratic, and right. the Democrats believe that if they can advance candidates there to November that they, they can win those it. seats, but maybe they won't. Maybe they won't. All right, Kyle, great to come in. Thanks so much for joining us. Good to see you, Hey, Bill. folks, have a great weekend. This we'll look for you on Monday. Come on back. Press Show. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.